Welcome to Facts Roundtable, a podcast dedicated to navigating life with food allergies across the lifespan. Presented in a welcoming format with interviews and open discussions, each episode will explore a specific topic, leaving you with the facts to know or use. Information presented via this podcast is educational and not intended to provide individual medical advice. Please consult with your personal board-certified allergist or healthcare providers for advice specific to your situation. Hi, everyone. I'm Caroline Mawasasi, and I am your host for the Fact Roundtable podcast. I am a food allergy parent, advocate, and the founder of the Grateful Foodie blog, and I am Fact's Vice President of Community Relations. Before we start today's podcast, I would like to take a moment and say thank you to Blueprint Medicines for being a kind sponsor of FACT's Roundtable podcast. Food allergy thought leader and online food allergy support pioneer Linda Mitchell joins us today to discuss her new role at the Allergy and Asthma Network, what the organization has planned for the upcoming year, and why health equity is a priority in our food allergy and asthma world. Welcome, Linda, to Facts Roundtable Podcast. We're absolutely delighted and honored that you are here with us today. Well, thank you. I really appreciate being here. Um, I know I've known you for a long time as well as Eleanor, so I'm excited to be here. I know. I love it. I feel like we're bringing old school together today in just this really beautiful, beautiful way. So now, Linda, you are known as a pioneer of food allergy education and online support groups. I mean, you were the one I learned from. Again, many of us have been enjoying the fruits of your labor, which you started many years ago. So thank you for that. And so since you have this really long and in-depth background, do you mind catching our listeners up to speed on actually where you started Mm -hmm. in this food allergy world and where you are right now? Yeah, I'm a food allergy mom. That's where I started. I was working in hospitals and healthcare systems as a consultant and employee prior to that when I first got out of college. And then I had this baby and the baby had food allergies almost right from the beginning. And um, it was a really rough time, as you can imagine. Um, and then he also developed asthma and all kinds of other medical issues. Um, so his first year of life was really tough. This was back in 1990. So this was when there was no research being done on food allergy. And I was sort of trying to figure out how to raise a baby with food allergies who was allergic to basically every formula on the market. He didn't tolerate breast milk. And at a year old, I was really left with very few options. Um, What saved his life, I really say this right from the start, is that I happened to have a neighbor who was the former chief resident at National Jewish Hospital in Colorado. And I said, I want to see this allergist today and they fit him in today. And he said, I know what's going on with your your baby. And I really think that he's the one who saved his life early on and got us on a path to health. But he would print out journal articles and just hand them to me because I had a healthcare background. And he'd say, see if this will be helpful to you because there weren't pages of names for milk. He was allergic to milk. Pages of names for milk at the time, there was nothing. So I was really reading labels that didn't have the benefit of our labeling laws now, and it was rough. But in any case, I bumbled along and we tried to stay as safe as we could. And then I went back to graduate school when he got back into school and when he was a little older. Well, first of all, I went went online and I started finding other moms like myself who didn't 
know how to deal with this. And we were comparing notes just on lifestyle stuff, not medical advice or anything like that. How to bake a cake without all these ingredients, just simple stuff, how to get our kids into school safely. What are you doing? And I realized the power of online community and parents sharing, you know, support, but also just lived advice and how lifestyle modifications, things like that. So started running a listserv with a librarian who also was a food allergy mom from Southern California. And that turned out, started out as parents of food allergic kids. We called it POFAC. At the same time, I went back to graduate school and came out basically for a business plan to turn POFAC into something more than just a listserv. And that's how Kids with Food Allergies Foundation was born in 2005. Somewhere along the line, Carol, and that's where I ran into you and Eleanor and who knows how many other thousands of people. Um, and so I ran that for a number of years. We ended up merging with AFA and I stayed there until 2018 and then decided after, it was almost 20 years at that point. So I was ready to take a break. And, um, and so I took a break for a couple of years and then ended back up with Allergy and Asthma Network. So that's kind of my really short. 20-year history in the food allergy world, but I know a lot of moms who have children with food allergies, some dads as well. This has been my life. My son's now 32. He's still allergic to milk. Um, he's chosen the easier path of just becoming a vegan because that helps manage his allergies um, better. And he's totally independent. And I mean, everything that we set him up for success really has worked and he's living his life. And it's so important to share that because, you know, when we start out, we keep thinking, how are they going to get through school? How are they going to get through college? Will they become an adult? Will they get married? I mean, it sounds silly, but honestly, those are the things that go through our minds in the beginning. So it's so nice to see this beautiful lifespan. And again, all the work you've done. I mean, KFA was so important to so many of us. I mean, I remember a parent telling me when she found POFAC. And, and how it just changed her life. And wow. I mean, these are really important moments that really have been the building blocks and the stepping stones to get us where we are today. So thank you again a million times. There are just not enough thank yous in this world, you know, for what you did and how you started us all off. And that you were kind of the first big online resource for us. Yeah, we, we were. We, and, and, Really, you know, we started the listserv and that was doing quite well. But when I was going through graduate school, I started reading the work of a futurist in healthcare and she was predicting that people with chronic disease and their caregivers were going to go online to seek support and information, health information, and then products and services that would be beneficial to them and their families. And I thought that's what we're doing here in a really small way. And so that's why I was pretty confident that if I, I went ahead and formed this nonprofit online community that it would fill a real need that was out there and it did work. It, it still works. So yeah. So thank, thank you for that. I really appreciate it, but I was, kind of making a really good informed guess that it was going to work. And it did. That was a very good, highly educated guess that has <laughs> changed the world. Oh, thank you. you're so sweet. Thank you. Now let's turn to your current role at the Allergy and Asthma Network. What is your new role exactly? And what can listeners expect to see coming up this year with the organization? 
I am the new CEO for Allergy and Asthma Network this year. I started working with Allergy and Asthma Network first just to help them build a new website as a consultant. And then I stayed on because of the pandemic. I became um, the chief digital officer, then the chief operating officer, and then stepped into this role when um, the opportunity arose. So I'm really glad to be here. Um, you know, Allergy and Asthma Network has a really longstanding reputation. They're 30, 30 eight, 37 years old, and they've done really good work in the community as an advocacy and education organization, also do a lot of community outreach and then research. Oh, yeah. I've been following them for a long time. It is a long history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, some of the things that Allergy Asthma Network is known for is it's Hill Day, it's Capitol Hill Day, where advocates come in and visit their senators and their other legislators regarding key priorities for the allergy and asthma community. And then we also have a U.S. Asthma Summit that's in November in conjunction with the College of Allergists meeting annually, which is a professional meeting for allergists. Um, we host this event in partnership with the college on the day before that actual conference begins. So we'll be doing that in November. So those are the two big events. We also have a social influencer summit the day before Capitol Hill Day. And then we do some other events here and there, but those are our sort of noteworthy events that we do year in and year out. And listeners, I'll make sure I put links in the show notes to these items so then you can kind of quickly and easily find them so you can get involved and engage. Yeah, the important thing is they're all free and they're a way to get involved in the community to the extent that you wish to. And we like that word free. That's a good one. (laughs) Free is good. So now the Allergy and Asthma Network is unique compared to the other traditional food allergy advocacy and awareness groups because you offer really robust asthma education and advocacy in addition you know, to the food allergy and you have eczema education as well. So can you bring listeners up to speed on the Allergy and Asthma Network's asthma education? And then if you don't mind, highlight maybe one or two of your favorite programs in there. But I really want people to get a feel for the good asthma information that's in there and, and eczema too. I mean, I go to the website. I mean, I've been going for years to the website because my kids have asthma too. So if you don't mind just getting our listeners uh, up to speed on what you have. Yeah, well, we have a large section on our website that is just asthma education. It's all based in science and evidence, but it's written at a reading level that can be understandable by anyone. It's just in plain language. And so that's what we really strive for. And it's really geared towards, you know, what people are asking questions or asking things they want to know. We also have an online store that has free digital downloads and print resources that are really at a nominal fee for people who want booklets or handouts or things like that, that they might, might want to share with their family or friends or health fairs or whatever. And then eczema is the same way. We have a lot of resources for eczema that are in a similar setup with print and digital resources as well as web content. We do a lot of webinars. We do at least two webinars every month. One of them is in conjunction with the college and uh, meaning the College of Allergists. So allergists can earn continuing medical education credit for attending those webinars. And then the other series of webinars are more geared towards kind of contemporary issues and allergy asthma related conditions that we kind of listen to the community and see what they want 
to learn about at any given time of year. We also started a podcast series and we're different than this podcast series because it's in conjunction with the Itch Podcasters, who are Dr. Payal Gupta and Courtney Kwong Hing. Um, and we're really focusing on asthma allergies, and related conditions, and immunology conditions. So it's going to be mostly interviews with experts, medical experts. And Courtney, as the patient, is going to be asking the questions important to patients regarding, say, a piece of literature or something regarding expertise in that area. So it's been well-received so far. We did one on biologics, and it's really a wonderful podcast on just what is a biologic and in terms that you and I can understand. Same thing with, is my asthma under control? Because we don't know what control is and what it isn't. You know, some some people think that if they use their uh, quick relief inhaler four times a week and their symptoms go away, that that's control and it's not. And so we need to kind of kind of raise the issue: what is control and how can you tell if you're in control and what if what can you do if it's not under control? So those are the kind of things we'll be doing. We're also trying to fill needs with other topics that are you know related conditions like people who have chronic hives. They come to us because we have content on hives, but if you have hives for more than six weeks, you have what's called chronic urticaria in all likelihood, and you need to see a specialist about that. And so we are trying to provide really good content on that to give more detail and then encourage people to go to their doctors for a diagnosis if they don't have one so they can get a good treatment plan in place. So there's other conditions like that that we're doing as well. And then for these more rare conditions, lesser known conditions, if there's an advocacy organization that actually specializes in that, then we refer people to that because we're not trying to be everything to everybody, but we know a lot of people come to us. And if we can be that initial trusted source that we can serve that need and then send them to some other group that actually does it as a special disease service, then then we want to make sure that they're connected to that group. Well, again, the resources are far and deep there. And again, listeners, I promise I'm going to have all these links in there. Again, I personally go to this website to get information. This is just a really good resource. So now let's turn our attention over to health equity, because this is an area that the Allergy and Asthma Network really dives into and is really embraced. So what is the priority right now for people with food allergies and asthma and, you know, eczema and these other conditions that you cover regarding health equity? Like, how are you addressing this issue? Uh, Kind of in a multi-pronged approach, actually. So if I could just back up for a minute, when I was building that new website for Allergy Asthma Network, I came across this little program called Not One More Life. And I said, what is this? Because I needed to understand what it was. And they said, oh, well, that's a a program that a, a pulmonologist who was retiring handed over to us to take care of and nurture. And so I said, well, what are we doing with it? And at the time, it was January of 2020, if you can remember <laughs> our calendars. And I said, well, I think I think we can do something with this. It's really important. And I didn't even, at the time, COVID wasn't a thing. I said, I think we could do some research-related work. This program was a community-based program where um, healthcare professionals went into communities of color, usually affiliated with churches, and did free asthma screenings and asthma education. And I said, I think we can do more with this, maybe encompass, um, it's a, called engagement and research, where we can see if there's funding related to research that we can kind of add to the program. I wrote some grants and applied with a 
an organization called PCORI, Patient-Centered Outcomes Research Institute, and we were awarded funding for a six-webinar series virtual conference. We called it Black People Like Me, and it was to learn about asthma, COVID, and how to engage in research. And then we also, um, because that was so successful, we actually applied for and got additional award to do a similar series for the Hispanic Latino population called Unidos Ablemos Day. And so that was something we were doing that started actually before COVID was a thing. And then we also got, uh, took it in a different direction. And then this, not when my life program became trusted messengers and trusted messengers was actually a community program where our staff went into communities at churches and other events and did some COVID testing, COVID vaccinations, asthma education, just, just general education to raise awareness about those issues. And then from there, we started also an asthma coaching program where people who were willing would be enrolled in this virtual asthma coaching program that actually would teach asthma self-management education so people could learn about how to use an inhaler correctly, you know, how to have an asthma action plan, how to have a conversation with your doctor and all kinds of other stuff so they can become more empowered and and really take control of their asthma better. That program has really done quite well. We actually just put out a press release last week about the three-year results of that program because it really does make a difference in people's life and health. So that's sort of where Trusted Messenger started. But then at the same time, we started doing other health equity work. So we got a grant for eczema and skin of color. That's really underdiagnosed. And it's really hard to diagnose because skin of color looks very different with eczema than it does on white skin. And most of the physicians who go to school learn what it looks like on white skin. And so it, it there's a whole sort of learning experience associated with understanding the needs of people for eczema instead of color. Same thing with chronic urticaria. You know, we need to have, uh, highs will look different on darker skin. So, so we have a whole bunch of resources that we are developing that are all for these other conditions for people for the Black community and for the Hispanic Latino community. So in the upcoming months, we're going to be doing some additional webinars and podcasts that are addressing these issues. And so our health equity program overall, if you can think of Trusted Messengers as an umbrella, it's very multifaceted. Even our, our research is related to skin of color in in a number of cases. And our advocacy work, all five of our advocacy priorities address health equity issues. You have been busy for the last few been. years. My goodness. This we is great. Been. Yeah. And just to reconfirm, I'm pretty sure these programs are all free as well. Oh, yes. Yes, they're all free. Everything is free. So yeah. anyone can come to the website and mm -hmm. sign up for a webinar to participate and be supportive and yeah. be helpful. And and now let's say someone listening is very inspired. I'm very inspired and they want to help and be supportive. How can they help the Allergy and Asthma Network and be supportive? Would that be like a facilitator to bring something to their community? We have a number of volunteer opportunities. I can probably give you the link to that so that you can put that in the show notes. We have a program for healthcare professionals called Community Asthma and COPD Experts, where those individuals have um, volunteered to go into their own local community and share our resources or educate about asthma and COPD. And they, they also 
take our resources about other conditions too. We also do um, these health equity events where we're going into local communities. We were just out in Los Angeles this past weekend screening, doing asthma screenings, and then talking about our asthma coaching program. And by the way, the asthma coaching program, like I said, is free. And you can find out more about that at asthmacoach.org. And so there's a little link, you can take a survey and see if you qualify for it. There's sort of a quiz to kind of see if your asthma is at a certain place and you know, you would qualify for it. We have a medical advisory council we'll be forming and with more intention in 2024. So, um, so that's another thing that I'm interested. Multidisciplinary practitioners, if they're interested, they should um, contact me to see about getting involved in that. We have a lot of things that we're getting either in moving forward on existing things or else, you know, changing things and making them even better. It's exciting. And I'll make sure I have your contact information in the show notes. These are going to be very packed show notes. So people get your pen ready and make sure you visit the website after listening to the podcast. And then you can find all these beautiful links and where to get them. But our time has actually come to an end. This went so fast, Linda. So is there anything else you want our listeners to hear from you today? No, just stay the course. If you, if you're a mom with food allergies, just, you know, the most important thing is reading labels and being prepared to treat a reaction. Avoid the allergens. Stay, keep your children safe. Educate them in an age appropriate way. The, the Academy of Allergists, aaaai.org has wonderful age and stages handouts to learn about appropriate ways to to teach your children and manage food allergies in the age of their life. They're wonderful handouts. I, I encourage anybody to grab a copy of those depending on your child's age. And things do, they do work out. You know, it's just one of those things where every one of these transitions, when they go to elementary school, when they go to high school, when they go to middle school, when they go to college, or it's a worry for us as moms, but you know, you got this and you just need those resources like FACT has and like we have so that you can really learn how to manage food allergies, teach your child to do it. And then they will learn to be a successful and independent adult, which is exactly what you want them to be. Thank you. Those are absolutely stunning words to end by. Again, we really appreciate your time. You have been so busy, but we were just so thrilled you took the time to spend with us to help educate our listeners on these beautiful resources that are available to them. I mean, when I think back to when you and I started with our kids being so young, how there were no programs actually, and how little information there was, and you got your information person to person to see where we are now is just so heartwarming and just so beautiful. So thank you so much for your time. You you bet. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be here. Thank you, Carolyn. You are welcome. And we'll see you again on Facts Roundtable Podcast. Before we say goodbye today, I just want to take a moment to thank Blueprint Medicines just one more time for their kind sponsorship of Facts Roundtable Podcast. Thank you for listening to Facts Roundtable Podcast. Stay tuned for future episodes coming soon. Please subscribe, leave a review, and listen to our podcast on Pandora, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. Have a great day and always be kind to one another. <music>